Hello and welcome everyone to another InventRight webinar. We got a great one for you tonight. Um, I'm over there on the left with Stephen Key. We co-founded InventRight together over 20 years ago and been coaching and mentoring inventors ever since. We've had students in 65 countries and we've been doing this free series of webinars and inviting on some incredible guests tonight. I am not going to introduce tonight's guest because the right person to introduce him is Stephen Key, our InventRight co-founder, because Ooh. Steve Askin tonight, I know there's a lot of Steves on tonight, right? But he is Stephen Key's mentor. And so Steve, Stephen Key, you're the person to introduce Steve Askin, not me. Well, so I'll let you go for it, man. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. I just want to welcome everyone tonight. Tonight is a really special night for me because tonight I get to honor my mentor, Steve Askin. He, um, before we we ask him a few questions, I just want to mention, I was 23 years old. Everyone, including my family, thought I was absolutely out of my mind. And I had the opportunity to meet uh, Mr. Askin in his showroom fl floor called What's New down in uh, Los Angeles. And he welcomed me like no one ever really had. And everybody thought I was nuts. And I remember asking Steve, am I nuts? And he said, no, you're not nuts. Everybody else is crazy. You're the one that's sane. <laughs> and I knew um, I had found someone that I could count on. So Steve, thank you very much for coming on tonight. You are most welcome and I'll enjoy it. Go ahead. All right. Everyone, um, tonight is important for a couple of reasons. I I want to step back in time just a little bit because I know a lot of people that are listening tonight um, really would like to have some help. And I'm here to tell you, you need to find someone in the industry that can be your mentor, someone that can guide you through some of the pitfalls along the way of being a creative person, an inventor, someone that can kind of guide you. When I met Steve, um, I was selling things. In fact, you can pull the next slide up, Andrew, the slide uh, of me selling stuff at arts and crafts shows. And you can see me there. Uh, that was downtown San Jose, close to San Jose State University. And I was selling my soft sculpture. And of course, there's a big crowd there. And um, at that time, I thought I was doing a great job. In fact, I thought it was really incredible that I could make something um, in my home and I could take it out on a Saturday and I could sell it and I could pay my rent. I thought that was magical. When I, um, when I met Steve, I was selling the same type of soft sculpture in Sausalito and someone came up to me with a card and said, you have to meet this man, he'll change your life. And there was just a card. It said Steve Askin. And I thought, okay. And after the show, I, I called and Steve didn't really know who I was. But he welcomed me. He said, what, it, what do you have? And I said, well, I have soft sculpture. He says, well, I sell soft sculpture. Why don't you come on down and show me what you have? Without even knowing me, he invited me down to his showroom. And I remember walking in there and Steve was bigger than life. He'd had a product a fad. Steve came up with the, the product um, or the, the fad 
the novelty gift Dealey Boppers, and he was in People Magazine, and he was also in Time Magazine, and they called him the Gizmo King. Steve, do you remember that those days back then, and how did you come up with that idea? What did you do? Um, how did I come up with it? I was in San Francisco, your town you'd love, at a novelty shop, and I saw some things on somebody's head with wire on it, you know, a headband. So basically I said, no, oh, that's a decent idea, but you got to improve it to sell it in the world. So it was really in a in a Halloween store, and that's why I, when I travel around, I go to Halloween stores to look who could bring something, you know, fresh and new. And so I bought one of these things, and I bought it back to my as well as have a showroom, as you know, I had a pillow factory where we made candy bar pillows and things like that. And I said, well, let's try making this and we'll go out to, there's a show coming up this weekend in downtown LA on Saturday. Let's, we'll go make some and we'll see if we can sell them, of which we learned that these things sell. Take a, you know, a little piece of plastic and bend it a little bit and put some wires and put some things on foam on the top of it. And eventually, uh, within a month later, we were making a million a day of the product in in Taiwan. So we made some in L.A. We made, you know, we were really in the pillow business, but over the weekends, we made the dealy boppers and sold them. And I think we've sold zillions of them all over the world since I think it was 1984, if I'm not mistaken, 83, 84, whatever. But anyhow, it worked now. It works. It works then. We had, you know, Disney stuff. We had other license type things. So it was a great product. Hey, Steve, looking back, how important, how did you knew when you brought it out to that? street fair and people were buying them did you know you had a hit on your hands well when you come up with products and i've had a lot of people at trade shows bring me things and i said the first thing you do is make some don't fill a container just make a few just because your relatives love it you give it to them and oh yeah it's great you can real good rich or something like this no you 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 make a few and you take it to a local store and see if somebody will put it out there and see if the public will buy it. And so in that situation, it just happened to be this downtown show that as fast as we made them, and the show lasted two days, we have to go back every other hour and get more out of the factory. Factory, you know, it was a few blocks away from where this trade show was. So the point is, that's the key. The public has to respond in any manner, not just, and not your relatives. Relatives right. are a good start. Let them bank you. But anyhow, pass there, get get some retail outlet to show it to the public. That'll tell you that you have a product that will work. Steve, you probably don't remember telling me this, but you said you know you have a fat on your hands when they're selling it on the corners of New York. Do you remember saying that? Is that true or not? I don't remember saying that, but I've been following up with that. One of the products that somebody brought me from Chicago, I said to a store owner, 
what's your number one item in your store? And he said, you know, some kids made some hats, cowboy hats, out of foam. And he gave them away at his bar mitzvah. Really? But then we started selling them. And we sell 10 a day, 20 a day, 30 a day. And if you remember throughout the country, at that, so we bought some, sold it to Spencer Gift. And they they didn't fill up a store, but foam cowboy hats take a lot of space. We sold a lot of those. So, again, okay. it goes back to the point of what sells, make more until it stops selling. Okay. Now, you know what's interesting? You see, Steve, um, we've got your People magazine photo up, and you have the dollar signs, because that day that I met you in your showroom – I brought my father. He had worked for General Electric, and I was 23 years old, and we went down. You saw my stuff. I opened it up. You put it in your showroom floor. You went downstairs for me to sign a contract, and I took my dad down there, and you had these dealy boppers with money signs, and my dad almost fell out of his chair. Uh, I knew I found a home, and my dad thought I was crazy, so thank you, Steve. Thank you for making me feel at home. Okay. Um, Steve, I want to talk a little bit about, um, let's go to the next slide, please. Yeah. Everyone, you know what's really interesting? Um, When I went down and met Steve, I worked in his factory. He was making a few of my products, they were called softies. And at night, uh, we drove around in a, a his black v, uh, VW convertible and he would stop at all the retail stores and everyone knew him. And he was so nice to everybody, but everybody knew him. And I know Steve knows a lot of retailers and I know he's always looking for products. But what was really amazing, fast forward now, um, I'm at Worlds of Wonder and I'm a, a manager of design working on Teddy Ruxpin. But Steve now has contacted, you know, he's, he's, I guess you're submitting ideas or showing ideas to the creator of Teddy Ruxpin, Ken Forsey. Was that correct, Steve? Um, I think that was after he was finished with Teddy Ruxpin. He was just in his home at the ocean uh, here in Laguna Beach. And so he had developed, he and his wife at their home, developed a lot of new products and those products uh, I brought in manufacturers and the retailers over to his, his just a gorgeous home that I think he designed in in mm-hmm. uh, Laguna Beach. So Steve is it fair to say throughout your career you're that person that's looking for ideas I mean we call it the the we call it the magical leprechaun that doesn't exist because people always ask me, is there someone out there that's looking for ideas? Is there someone out there that can help me bring it to market? Are you that person? Well, I continue, you know, not this day, but I'm saying now I still go any place, anywhere looking for products that could sell today that are that have been out there or variations you know what will the public be interested in what will they buy what could they buy what what you know 
make make sense today? Or what do you hear that people are buying something um, and maybe I have to get a variation on that theme? Do you follow? Like, Sure. But where do you yeah. go to look for ideas? Where did, Where have you gone in your career to look for new ideas? Well, sometimes you can go to a store owner and say, what's your best selling item? One day we went, we were in Chicago for a trade show and we went to, um, I can't think of the name of the store. And I said, what was your best item for Christmas? And they said, it was some ice cubes and shapes with colors in them. Really? And, and let's say it was Marshall Fields or I, I think it was, but anyhow. Uh, that's what, you know, the salesperson on the floor said, yeah, that was our number one item at Christmas, novelty item. Has it ever been in any of those stores? No, just somebody made some and bought them here. And we took it back to St. Louis, started making those things, and we sold them different colors, different shapes. So you had, you know, colored ice cubes for mm. your for your drink. But anyhow, so in any place, anywhere, you know. Um, overseas? Do you ever travel overseas back in the day looking for ideas? Well, I've gone to, you know, I do a lot of Europe. Europe has great ideas. In, in England, I've, I've gone to the trade shows there, um, and Italy, and France, and Germany. Um you have to remember that we're primarily dealing with America, what we manufacture and sell. So uh, beautiful items in Italy just don't sell in any volume here. You follow? So you have to be careful. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It'll work. Um, that, but it still doesn't fit into the, to the, the pattern, you know, that we can sell a lot of. Um, I'm trying to think of one item I've, I'm saw in Europe and that we we brought it back here which it did sell. So that's the point of you have to if you're traveling you have to remember we're dealing with American mindset okay. and what will the American public buy. So but you know you have to keep your eyes open. That's the key okay. key game. Got it. Got it. Um Andrew go to the next slide. This is what we have. Yep. Yes. Um, we have a slide up, Steve. I know you cannot see the slides. And this is a, a great uh, hit. Um, Zuzu Pets from Sepia Toys that just did fantastic. Um, how big a hit was this toy? That toy was the uh, toy of the year in, 19, in 2013. And that was made by Sepia in St. Louis. Um, friends of mine and they knew it was working when you go when you can't buy one to go to Toys R Us at four o'clock in the morning and see the line that'll tell you something selling and mm. it just worked it was the right size and the right shape and it amused you know kids from two and three years old to uh, you know to let's say eight nine ten Steve, can you tell us about the product? My daughter's seven, and she has, I think, like twelve Zuzu pets. <laughs> what was what was so intriguing about the the product to kids? It was simple, and you could control it, and it, 
it made you happy. It was just, uh, it had good spirit about it and it fit in. There was nothing else, you know, at that time in 2013. Um, it, it was just different from, you know, let's say a Disney product or some, you know, there's, there's always something that catches fire. In this case, mm-hmm. um, it, it did, I think, on the retail side, over $2 billion. So that, that made it the hit of the year from a, a design by they, my they, friend. They interact with each other, right? Right, right, they, right. Because the kids could control it, and it, it walked, you know, after you, and it, it you know, it, it had good excitement and it wasn't uh, ridiculous in price i think we sold them you know let's say between seven and eight dollars so it was priced right up to twenty dollars but um and the 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 creator of this the the person that created this magic russell hornsby is that his name yes russ hornsby is in st louis missouri and has been there for many years and um i had to um, met him through his business in Florida. I needed a good designer for us in St. Louis, and I brought Russ and his family moved to St. Louis, and um, that was in the gift business. And then he developed into the toy business in 1970s, and and he's still in the toy business today, making some beautiful products in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so. What did you do? What was your connection there? Were you looking for products for him? Is that what you were doing? Well, I'd heard about what a great designer he was. That was really the most important. So originally to bring him to St. Louis where it was up to him what we'd make. And we'd looked at a lot of things and he, you know, made things right and packaged it right at, at the original company we were there. And then he and he took a super salesman with him. Uh, and they founded Trendmasters Toys in St. Louis. And they weren't satisfied with small sales. They weren't just worried about little stores. They did the majors, you know, the Target, the Walmarts, and who was out there at the time, and did a phenomenal job. Their products sold. And uh, we tried, experimented with many products going into New York, the New York Toy Fair. Um, maybe 50 75 brand new products and let the toy buyers pick what they wanted that's an expensive way to do that um but that's how you do millions of dollars in business okay so he's he's having that type of hit is pretty remarkable oh well that's the toy of the year is remarkable you see what's out there today you follow yeah. I mean, you know, and they come and go and, you know, you have 12 months, 18 months with the toy, um, mm-hmm. you know, the dancing uh, feet, the shark toys that, you know, 12 to 18 months, you know, people get tired of them. So that's, mm-hmm. that's your life with a toy now in some other products um, that last longer. Uh, I have friends that made all the, the beautiful uh, fountains that, that were in all the drugstores. They lasted for 10 years. So some some products can last a long time. It's not, but in a toy business, it it comes and goes twelve to eighteen months if you're lucky. Go ahead. More of a fad industry, and also this became a a, a commercial uh, cartoon on 
on um, one of the channels too, right? Right. They had their own books and they had some some wonderful animation that all that was done um, in St. Louis. Matter of fact, wow. the new the new products that Russell has out now were also all done in St. Louis as far as the design is concerned and the story storyboard with it. Uh, wonderful. As we talk, guys, I want to remind everybody, if you have questions for, for either of the Steves, uh, you can type them into the GoToWebinar uh, questions box and type those in. We'll try to get to as many as we can at the end. Um, but I, I want to jump in, Stephen, just ask you real quick. We have a question from one of the one an inventor that's attending, Daniel, says, which is I was thinking the same thing when you were talking. What is the difference between the gift and the toy business? What are what are some of the big differences there? What what are the what's the difference in the products and what's the difference in the volume being done maybe or anything else you have to share? Well, first thing in the toy world is the age and you know uh, um, you, you start at the age of let's say three, you know is it for a three year old and then after that it, it, I guess I think six is the next age, but anyhow, so you start as far as, you know, if you're, um, but toys have to have some movement or have to have some color versus, you know, furniture, you have to be tasteful or, you know, again, what's the fashion in the world? So you have to follow fashion both in, in the toy world as well as in the, in the, you know, well, let's call it non-toy world. Is that an answer? It's kind of a yeah. No, it is. Diff well, different retail outlets too. Everyone, your, your toy will be your traditional outlet. Maybe used to be Toys R Us. Maybe some of the big box stores for that certain age and movement. Steve said, and then the gift uh, is a little bit different. Uh, different um, trade shows, uh, of course. Uh, a wide selection of retail outlets as well. Um, Andrew, go to the next slide. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about this, Steve. Um, you've been bugging me over the years to send you ideas. Do I ever send them to you? No, you never did. Boo-hoo, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that's listening tonight, Steve, we talk, and he's like, when are you going to send me something? And I said, eh, no, I don't want to do that. And he goes, no, no, come on, send me something. I know you see a bunch of great stuff. Why don't you ever send it to me? Well, a couple months ago, I was on the phone with Steve, and he was telling, asking me again, hey, why don't you ever send me anything? And I said, oh, you know, and we hung up, and I went in the kitchen, and uh, the USP, uh, the delivery man dropped off a package and I opened it up and it was these micro puzzles. And what I was, what was so nice about it, it was a, a, a very personal gift. It had a nice thank you card. I, I, um, I'm a fan. I read your books and thank you very much for all the help. And it had these micro puzzles and I looked at it and I was so taken back of how well they were made. Um, the packaging was right. The labels were right. The product inside was unique. It was small. It was different. I hadn't seen it before. So I called um, the gentleman, the creator of MicroPuzzles, and he actually picked up the phone on a Saturday morning, which is extremely rare. And 
And I said, hey, I like your idea. And he was surprised I called. I said, can I show it to someone? And I said, I've got the right guy to show this to, and he can make something happen for you. So he said, sure, be my guest. So I, I called Steve back. And I said, uh, I sent a picture over and I said, uh, I got one. And he said, what? And I explained it to him and I showed it to him. And the first thing out of his mouth was, well, does he have a patent on this? And I said, who cares? I said, what's important is distribution. What's important is sell first, sell fast. What do you think? And Steve says, I'm interested. So now fast forward, Steve, what do you do after that call? Um, I brought it here. I'm not a good puzzle. My wife loves puzzles and does big, you know, thousand piece, 500 piece puzzles. Uh, she thought it was a little small for her fingers. But anyhow, um, I looked at it. I thought it was great because I kept reading about how everybody on earth is, we have other things to do other than be out on the streets. So we got to, everybody's buying puzzles anyway. But these, these folks, as Stephen will tell you, are sitting in their apartment here in Southern California, putting these puzzles together and putting them in the packaging and, and sending them out. And they're doing, they're doing, Two and three and four thousand dollars a day selling these beautiful puzzles, and they're small. There's 130 to 160 pieces, and they're in a um, vial. What do you call the package, Steve? And, you know, a little like a tube, isn't it? Test tube. But anyhow, the point is that 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 is the uh, that it works. There's the public buying it every day, seven days a week, and these guys have a, a printer in their house. Um, they supply the paper and uh, they cut them up and they put them in the, in the packages and they send them out. Got to be over at, at uh, United Parcel or the post office by seven o'clock every night. And they're doing a monster job today, yesterday, you know, the weekends. Anyhow, but it's selling very well. All right. So that's, that's a local. That's online. They're spending thirty to forty dollars a day online, and they're taking in that kind of money. But where's the real market? Where do we really expect it to go? Is really, I guess, your question, Steve. So, I searched my calling of the cards, and I found a friend of mine of many years who has done a lot of business with all the majors in the country. He made the, the wonderful water fountains that were in all the drugstores for 10 years. Took in millions and millions of dollars and then sold the company. But he has the, the phone number and eyeball of all the major buyers in the country. That's who I needed. He has 17 salespeople. They do $80 million in sales. And and he, he and his, his partner in, in China, um, who lives here also in California, but he has a factory in, in China that does all the business. So there's the answer. How, how many accounts do you think you need that know you, that when you make a phone call, either they listen to you, they're ready for, to, to invite you over to, you know, 
And so we started sending them out. And I have no idea what the, the top top number will come, even in this year. This is now July um, that we'll deliver um, in the course of this year. Because why? Because it's the price is is reasonable, four, five, six, seven dollars. It's small, it's compact, it's clean, it's neat, it's done. People are into puzzles. It's amusing. You can, you know, when you go on an airplane, you can take it on a plane. You know, you can put it in your pocket. But it's, and they work seven days a week on this product, and in their, in their now two bedroom apartment. So they have a printer in there. And they break them up. They have a, a, a group here in Southern California that breaks them up and puts them in the tube now. We've, as, as we've grown the need for it more, then we, you know, we have to use other people other than just the two that you, Stephen, you know, met on the phones. So, Steve, will they, will they sell in the millions of dollars with this eventually a year? My guess, I said the bottom line for this year is probably $3 million of income. And I think there's a shot at doing more this year, hmm. 2020. I think they can sell that many. I think when it gets into the majors, which I think the first one probably will be Walmart. And then we'll go from there to Target and we'll go to, to Walgreens and we'll go to CVS. And we'll, all the drugstores should have them. All the bookstores should have them. Um, it, it and we know those accounts. See, that's the key. Who's close to the buyers that can do something? Not say, oh yeah, that's nice. No, who can buy something and give you an order? And 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 also we have a factory that can make it reliably quality. You know, check all the you know the right tags have to be on there. You know not for under three years old, you know, all the things that legally have to be there. And so that's what I think it will do this year. I, I think the bottom is 3 million. We're, we have been, we've had a, a call from a group. I don't know whether your, your people know about it. It's called the shark tank. They want to interview because again, here's a little two people sitting in their apartment house doing all this work while we're people are looking for jobs. And they want to, the public's interested in puzzles and they're interested in people. And, and the shark tank is, that's what they said. So we have an, a next appointment. The show begins, I guess, in September and hopefully we'll be on it. We're not locked in yet, but I think there's a good chance that, that we'll get on there. You, you know, Steve, when I first saw it, what I liked so much about it, it was different. It was small, like you said. It was extremely well packaged. And I was dumbfounded to hear they were doing it themselves in some back bedroom. It looked that good to me. But it was so unique and so uh, unusual. And it didn't have any intellectual property. It may be a trademark on the name. But it didn't really matter to me. It just had that magic. Did you feel the same thing when you saw it? I thought it was... First thing, it's finished and done. You don't have to say, well, when can you tool it? When can you do this? When can you deliver any? I wanted a dozen here. They were here the next day. I, I've never been to their apartment because we got locked into this whole thing. It's seven weeks I've been playing with them, and I haven't been out of the house in seven weeks other than walk the dog. So um, 
I never did see, I've never seen a picture of their apartment. By the way, they are moving out of the one bedroom today <laughs> into a two bedroom because they got another, another print machine or something. I don't know what. Can you imagine? He can increase his production because of the new printer that they got over the weekend. Anyhow. <laughs> but pu puzzles are really hot right now, Stephen. I mean, we, we've had some, very large companies come on saying it's it's a trend with COVID and uh, puzzles were, were already fairly popular, but they became super popular. And I think a lot of them are selling out on Amazon and everything. So it seems like the right time for this product. Well, you know, Andrew, you know what I like so much about it was that I could see this at every cash register. It's that small. And I can right. see. Well, that's what I hope. I, I do hope that it will be at the cash register at every Walmart. And have, you know how many stores they have. But let me make a point here, Steve, and both of you, that, that I'm not just sitting back and saying, oh, here we have one product. We're looking at other things, other extensions of this. And matter of fact, I just sent some new packaging back to, to St. Louis for Russell and the team to look at how can, because they'll help us if, if, you know, we need some help. they got a great, you know, design staff. Mm -hmm. um, that will add to it. So uh, I, I want a little bigger one and with some other ideas on, on bigger mm -hmm. puzzles. But once we've established ourselves and delivering and sell, having a product that sells, then we have to think of the next generation. Not that mm -hmm. this one is just started, but anyhow. So that's what's in my head. I'm not, I'm not happy. Okay. I'm happy with what we have, but I'll, I'll be more happy if I have a second and third, you know, um, addition. Go ahead. So, build, so building line extensions, extending the life right. of it is very important. Right. I okay. think so. Sure. Okay. I'm sure you've done that over the years with other products, Steve, right? I mean. Well, we did it with soft sculpture. We made good and plenty and then we had to make Butterfinger and then we had to make. Sure, because if people are buying one, they'll buy a lot. You know, yeah, they, it's, it's yeah. the right trend. You were doing soft sculpture when that was a trend, and and you have to follow the trend. We're we're in the puzzle business. Not that people have been making puzzles for a long time, and there's some great, you know, phenomenal now, companies out there doing puzzles. Now, Steve, you like to collect toys, is that right? <laughs> I have been a yeah, toy collector. The one with the most toys wins, isn't that the? That picture that's on my wall here. That's what it says. So I keep trying. Now I had a, a, a rather sizable antique tin toy, wind-up toys, battery toys from the 60s, 70s, 80s. And one day I woke up and said, what am I doing? I want to share these with everybody. And so I sent it to New York, said, bring the truck and take them and auction them off. And so that's what we did. We got rid of the tin toys, but I have still a lot of, Oh, wind-ups and just gone. not expensive, like tin toys are rather expensive. What's really interesting, Steve, I'm showing this picture of you in your office I took about 10 years ago. But what they're not seeing is that they're, they don't, from where I'm standing, there was toys everywhere. I mean, I've never seen so many toys packed in one small place. I mean, it. It was quite the sight. So, um, yeah, pretty impressive. Um, so, Steve, any any guidance? Um, I, I like that you believe that 
going out to stores, asking people, meeting people. The, the one thing I want to mention to everybody, the, the two things that I learned from Steve was that, um, like I said earlier, you're okay. Keep find like-minded individuals that can help you along the way. And Steve was helping me and believed in me. Um, but also, Steve, we went on a couple business, you know, we stopped at some places, but you treated everybody with respect. Even the even the woman at the the receptionist. Not only her, but the of course the guy in the, the corner office. What is your philosophy about treating people? Like my terms of treating people. Well, people that I get close to are creative people. And so you and you have to and you and you appreciate who they are and what they are and how, why they have whatever they have. I have cards here that I keep. It's called the calling of the cards. And these are people that I can all call any of them back and you know, and was friendly and like you know what they're doing. You know, when you go to a trade show or go to a uh, you know, an outdoor show. If you don't like it's a painting or sculpture or whatever it is, you know, but you appreciate what they've done, if you're even stopping and saying hello, you don't like it, you just keep going. So the answer is, of course, I, I'm respectful of everybody, including, you know, my family. <laughs> so my house, my house here in Orange County, California, is loaded with toys i have three grandchildren that live within 15 minutes of my house they moved here from chicago uh, my daughter is involved with autistic children and her husband works for a company called united parcel who stays up all night and she helps the planes go around the world um he's an outbound guy you know so so steve you're still in the game aren't you I'm still playing, yeah, every day. <laughs> well, hey, still- I, I got, I got a, I got a question, and I, the question is for Stephen Key. Yeah. Um, if you think about all the years you've been talking to your mentor, Steve Askins, what, what did you get out of having a mentor? What did it, what did it mean well, to you? What did it give you? Well, what did, what did you give him, too? Well. When I first met Steve, he was really busy and pretty popular guy. And, you know, I, I I didn't have two nickels to rub together. And he treated me with a lot of respect. He he brought me in. He taught me a little bit about what a factory was like because I, I worked in his factory a little bit in retail. And I slept on his couch a little bit. But he treated me. He didn't even know me. and But he treated me um, very special. And I never really forgot it. And part of the the story I want to tell is I go off and I learned a lot and I learned about licensing a little bit. I learned about selling stuff on the streets. Um, and I get, I had my first job at world's wonder and, and my career starts to take off and I end up back in an ad agency in Los Angeles. And I'm sitting at this desk and we're talking about stuff. And then someone says, Steve Askin. And I'm like, that's not the same Steve Askin I know, but it has to be because he's telling some crazy story about this guy and they um, call Steve Askin on the phone and I reconnected with him because we had kind of kind of went apart for a few years there and 
my career take, took off and we were back connected again. I guess the point of having a mentor, Andrew, which is really important to me, is having someone there that has walked the walk a little bit, that has more experience, that can kind of point you in the right direction, or someone that has the calling of the cards. You know, Steve has collected relationships with people in all different industries, and I remember him telling the calling of the cards years ago that um, he knows just about, you know, he knows people in all different industries that he can call upon and, and possibly um, work together. And I just like the way he always treated everybody, and especially how he treated me. Um, but I also liked how much fun he was having. You know, Andrew, I learned at 23 that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my career. I knew if I could have fun, wake up every day and enjoy myself, I would never work a day in my life. And I thought I would never retire. And I know Steve, uh, are you turning 83? You're 83 now. I'm not sure. <laughs> when December comes, I have to be 83. Okay. And I would hopefully, I'm looking forward to still being in the game at, at in my 80s, hopefully even beyond that, and helping others. So Stephen's given me kind of my role model to kind of, to, 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 um, to learn from Andrew and I think did, did he did he save you time like would you have gone down different paths that would have been unproductive if you didn't listen to his, his I, advice I might have quit Andrew oh oh so he was encouraging at the times when you were down well I got to see you know at, at 22 selling things on street corners and learning from someone that had a factory was selling products when he put my product in a showroom before you know it, the orders were coming in so fast, I couldn't make it. That's why I went back to his factory so he, his factory could make it for me. But he gave me that support, and I think that's what, what we're trying to do tonight for anybody that's listening tonight. You have to find a mentor. You have to find someone in the game. You have to find someone that's walked the walk that can keep you going on that path. Because it's not easy, and you're going to get discouraged, and you're going to get a lot of no's along the way. But if we hang together and we build a strong community, um, it can impact the future of, of, your, of your career if you take this career. So that's why it was such an honor to have Steve on tonight, um, because it had a very big impact on my life. Absolutely. But I also think, just I'm going to add a little something to what you said. I, I remember this lady in New York who's showed this product and I looked at it and I said, blink, blink, it'll never go anyplace. I said, madam, if you like it, make yourself 50, 100, whatever it is. I couldn't tell you what it is. I said, that's what I want you to do. Don't go buy thousands of them. And you know what she did? Around three months later, she called me and said, oh, you know, I have 500 or whatever, crazy over or whatever it was. What do I do with it? And I said, I told you, you make a dozen, you make two dozen. You have a limitation to what, you know, mm. that I think is very important. You might have a decent idea. That's good. It's mm. not a great idea until people buy it. And so I, I think that's a key. You can't yeah. get, you can't put your family jewels in, the, in a warehouse and pray. That won't work. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work in the gift business. This is not that kind of, or, or toy business. 
and you're in competition with everybody and their mother. You know. Yeah, we got a great you, question. Got, go ahead, Stephen. No, I'm just going to say real quick, you. the testing that Steve um, believes in, I do too. Mm -hmm. That's why. Yeah, I've noticed. Steve, you've you've influenced Stephen over the the years. I've noticed he, he that, likes he likes testing and playing, and you probably I, got I, that learned that from you. I do. I test, and I test small quantities. <laughs> yeah, I do. But the, I got a question for be... both of you from Jen. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Well, Jen Jen wrote in. And this is for both of you. Has everyone always been supportive of you, or did they believe the thought of inventing for a living was crazy? That's what I'm running into. Can, so I'll let Steve ask and go first. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, if anybody knows me, there's no sense wasting your breath telling me that that's the dumbest thing you've ever done. I mean, they understand what I accumulated and had and, you know, run around throughout the world as I've done. You don't do that unless you had some success someplace. And so the idea of, you know, I think I, I'm not really, I don't work for myself, I work for others. You know, I, I do things, I, I'm here to help others. And as as you guys are, you know, you're educators and that's the, that's the point, that's what we all are. That's what I are too. Hmm. I, I think that, yes, I think everybody thought I was crazy. And I think occasionally when I tell people what I do, they still say they think I'm crazy. Um, it's not being a plumber or doctor or lawyer, an inventor. I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different, but I think the love of creativity, the love of products, the whole process, you have to love it, Andrew. And you have to find that community that believes in it too. Um, I don't go out to a dinner party in the neighborhood and tell everybody I'm an inventor. They'd look at me like I was out of my mind. So um, when I met you, Andrew, and we started sharing this process we have at InventRight, that's when I found my home of my audience of people like-minded and it, it, it felt safe. Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. And, and, I truly believe in community that we have to support each other and you're going to get a lot of rejections and people want you to do this and that. And that's okay. Be brave, have some courage, do something different and be proud of yourself while you're doing it. You'll be okay. And plenty of people thought we were crazy to help inventors <laughs> and guide them to licensed products. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing helping these people? They don't know what they're doing. And we didn't care. And I, I think that's what I'm getting from Steve Askin is, I don't care what people think. I know what I want to do. I know it can be done, and I believe in myself. And yeah. um, I think everybody but, else, Jen, you need to believe in yourself. So. Yeah, what other questions we got? We only have 10 more minutes. If anybody wants to say thank you to Steve, ask him for coming on tonight. Make sure you, you, you send in your yeah, thank you. Yeah, you just go to the questions box and go to our control panel and type your thank yous for Steve, and I'll I'll send them to you afterwards, Steve, and we'll uh, – I, we'll read a few real quick, well. I always like our conversations now because it's all about, you know, it's about products, about what works, is about what's happening in the world. It's all about, it's about, it still comes back to having fun in, in the industry. And I am planning on doing it while I'm, till I'm 83. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Well, it's like all my toys. I, you know, I buy toys uh, 
often because I have the grandkids here. That's a good excuse. So I still go into used toy stores and new toy stores and look for to see what's the best and the newest ideas, the new color, newest colors in boxes and the new things that, that uh, you know, amuse me and amuse today and also looking for what's the, you know, the freshest idea in the world. I'm out there all day long on the internet looking at, at all these toys and things from all over just to find great things for other maybe distributors, maybe some, you know, so I'm out looking, uh, nothing's stopping me or slowing me down. That's, that's what I, I do. I love it. I got a question. I got a question for both of you. Uh, you, you, you have a love for products, but you also understand that to make it things work, you have to have a work ethic. And, but if you love what you do so much, it's not even work. Can you talk about uh, work ethic and the fact that a lot of the stuff you have to do isn't as much fun as the actual idea or coming up with the idea or, or playing with a prototype or something? Can you talk about work ethic and just put your nose to the well, grindstone? Let me, say, let me make a point here. When Steven sent me that uh, the puzzles, right? So I, I went to the calling of the cards. Who am I going to call? I have to call someone. First thing, people have to be honest and not, you know, see how swift they can be. So I have to sell somebody's idea or show somebody an idea that has the ability and willingness to be honest and pay. You follow? The first thing that I, I noticed when I, in the showroom, the first thing that happened a long time ago is that somebody actually paid me for selling something. When you deal with craftspeople, you know, they don't have any money. So I might sell their product and I send them an order and they send it out and they get paid. Oh yeah, you know, I owe you money for this. So all of a sudden that's what happened. I, I figured out, you know, you have to, you have to be honest with people and they have to be honest with you. So you have to find that, those kind of people. That's, that's a key in this whole business, by the way, in any business. You know, we're not talking about, you know, gigantic businesses that everybody, you know, 9,000 lawyers are watching over them. I'm talking about for little crafts people and people that are starting a business, you have to find some someone to help who's honest. That's the key. And you're hearing uh, my uh, band next door, my son, by the way. Can you hear that? No, we barely hear it. Very little. Oh, anyway. That's fine. Um, so I, I think that's one of the most important things. So the people that I got for the two that you found, Stephen, are uh, just, I've, I've known him 20 years. I've known, he's, he's done some phenomenal designs and work and, and treats people properly. That's a key. But, Steve, but how, you know, how I, do you, when you wake up, I mean, how, how much do you work during the day on ideas or looking for ideas or, or, or going to stores. I mean, is it something you do for a couple hours or you do it for more than that? Well, actually, I spend time when we're when I can get out of the house, which I haven't been out for the end of seven weeks or so. I'm involved with some friends of mine that have a, a retail store here called Magic Box of OC, Orange County, and they buy lockers. And I go there for an hour and a half a day when they're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and just say hello to people and see who's got ideas 
or find some old things that these guys buy lockers. You know, you mm. forget to pay your locker, and it's a phenomenal business. Um, what about it? Phenomenal. Do you ever go to retail stores at night to look at products too? Well, I do. I go down to the stores that are now open. <laughs> but uh, again, I look at a lot of these products, a lot of the products in there that, that are coming out of these lockers. Because the lockers, some of them are 10 and 15 and 20 years old. People save anything. I mean, <laughs> anyhow, I, I get it. And, and so I'm there just talking with to the people. I'm not, I don't get paid. I just, you know, I just enjoy the, the normally. <laughs> I, I haven't been there in, in seven weeks now. It's terrible. But anyhow, Andrew, I, I got a question for you, Steve. I, what, what drives you? Is you're so excited about a new product that that's going to drive you to do all the business stuff that might not be as much fun? Andrew, or do you I really don't think it's business? Here, yeah. Here's the difference. Here's yeah. the difference. Well, I can look at that. Look at the puzzle. There's a perfect example. You know, you said to me, "I've got one." That's what. That's your line. I've never heard that out of your mouth. I've got one for you. That's what you said. And it showed up here. And I said, adorable. And then I called the people. They're adorable. That's a key, too. They're, they're you know, you enjoy them. They're, they're working around the clock to, to, to get this stuff out in two days and three days. They have to print it. They have to cut it. They have to, you know, they're just working like mad fools. But I, I just get it. And we talk two and three times every day. You know, if it's not at 1030 in the morning or 9 o'clock at night, or in the middle of the day, if there's anything to say, uh, we have ABC News had it on their on the show. Again, people are excited about people working in their in their apartments in business, not not unemployed. They got a job. They made their own job. That was really great. And, and you you know what it is mm -hmm. when you love what you're doing, and, and Steve does, and I do too. It's not work, and you want to do it all the time. That's the problem. And <laughs> you're never off. I mean, you're always looking. You're looking on vacation. You're looking on Saturday. You're looking on Sunday. You, it's like, well, this is really fun stuff. I want to do it all the time. So mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's hard to have a work ethic in something you you truly like. No. Right. And you got. I think that's the answer you guys gave me. Yeah. Um, we have time for one more question. Thomas says, "Where would you recommend to find the right mentor?" Find. Uh, some, some relative or friend that you like that, that's got some imagination. That's where you find them and stop and start there. Yeah. I, you know, you can make phone calls and you, everybody, they're, they're advertising this and that. You know, that's not closeness. You need some closeness to come off the line. Yeah. Andrew, so I, I think that, I, I like the idea, you know, there are some relatives you might like. But, you know, somebody with some imagination. Hmm. Yeah, Andrew, I, I think you have to just have an open mind. I think you have to be out there. You know, Steve's out there. He, he meets people. He, he, he's constantly looking. He's still curious. I think you find those people that are like-minded. And it just kind of works. So... If, if you're going to an inventors group, go to one of those, or maybe a meetup, or maybe an entrepreneur group, or maybe a trade show, but find people that that share that love of, of what you are interested in, and start up a conversation. You never know where it leads. 
And you never know if you're going to find that one person that you connect with and you learn from. So I don't think it's just a formula. And I don't think you're going to find someone on LinkedIn saying, hey, be my mentor. I think you actually have to get out there and just meet people. I know it's harder today, but this is not going to last forever, of course. But if it's on Skype now, maybe it's on Zoom now. But find those people that truly love what they're doing and they 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 want to help the next generation. That's what I say. Yeah, man. I mean, at an event, right? What we do is mentor and coach inventors. And yeah, I know it's a little different because it's a service. And you know, you met Stephen, but it is it is something that people can do. Oh, I, Andrew. Have when to I, like the, the other the other side, both of you. You have to like who you're talking to. You have to. You go to a uh, like a little show out there where there's, there's tables and guys are trying to sell things to you. So you, but you also you see them and you see their work and you like their work and then you like them because people mm -hmm. are only a connection to what they create. Am I right, David? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. it's true. Yeah, I know with with all, with all our coaches, they can't just be good at licensing. They have to be likable and very helpful people. So I I have we have some students license four or five products and I wouldn't ask them to be a coach because they're kind of wrapped up in their own thing. But then you have some former students of ours that they really you can tell they they're good at licensing and they really enjoy helping people. And those are the people we hire as coaches. So it, you're right. You you. I guess you could find a grumpy mentor that still offers good advice, but <laughs> I don't know. That's not as much fun. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> yeah. Why do you want to live your life around grumpy people? Right. Um, we, got thank yous. We, we have like a hundred thank yous in here for, for Steve, for you, Steve, and I'll email them all to you tomorrow, but I just want to read a few. Chad wrote many thanks, Steve, your intuition and innovation have created a new league of inventors that will pass on your wisdom for decades to come. Um, Bill says, thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate you taking the time so much. You've helped give me great energy to invent. Um, Jen said, thank you, Steve and Steve, Steve and Andrew for the great advice. Your knowledge and expertise is so much appreciated. Um, Gregory, thanks a million for all the sharing and caring. There's just there's just like a hundred of them here. I'll send them to you, Steve. I think you know. Hopefully sure. that'll inspire you to to maybe. Did any of my relatives write to you or not? I I don't <laughs> see any relatives, but you know, is the inventor of micro puzzles is is one of his is his name Mike? Yeah, Mike. Yes. Yeah, he wrote he wrote actually we're moving the night, so I guess they're moving to the bigger apartment tonight. Moving, so yeah. They got a up. second now. They got a two bedroom in place of one bedroom. That's yeah. Terrible. yeah. I've had Living, living in the kitchen and making these things. I think I want to see that shot. But anyhow, no, that's good. He's good. He's a happy guy. That's, you need happy people. Find happy people. He's one of them. Stephen, yeah. didn't you find that? You talked to him all the time. Yeah, no, he, no, they have a spirit, and I, I love it. And I'm just so right, happy for them do. and their product and the timing and their attitude. They have everything that just makes this a, a wonderful place to live. So... It's wonderful. Yeah, we have to find more people like that. We won't, by the way. The answer is well, we won't. They're, they're well, rare well, people. Well, we're going to look. Yeah, no, no. You, that's where your job is. You have to, you know, they're, they're that kind of people, and, and they will succeed, and they're hardworking, like, oh, I'm telling you, seven days a week. And, you know, it's, it's profitable, but it's still, hey, they enjoy, and they love getting cards from people. 
because they think they're they're doing them some good. They are, you know. They are. Mm. Anyhow, thank you, right, gentlemen. Tom. It's my pleasure, and anything I can do, here I be. <laughs> Stephen Key, anything you want to say in closing? Uh, I just want to. I just want to say um, thank you, Steve, for being um, a good friend. And um, okay. And Andrew, thank you very much for putting this on and hosting both Steves. And um, I'm looking forward to our conversation next week. Come down to see my house. The house here is loaded up with art and with uh, 2,000 books of uh, on toys and American history and African art and a lot of wonderful things. So we got a house full of. So I don't really have to ever leave here. 2,000 books will keep me pretty busy, <laughs> and a lot of pop-up books. I. I collect pop-up books. There's 250 of them, sensational things, pop-up books. What I want to make, and maybe one of your inventors has it in mind, I want a pop-up puzzle book. But no, I want a pop-up puzzle. So when uh. you finish it, then I want it to pop up, be three-dimensional. So somebody's mm -hmm. got a brilliant idea that way. We have the distribution for all over the world for our puzzles. So um, I'm look that's my next idea a pop-up puzzle you know that makes sense you, i don't know but, uh, you guys he so told that, it. i sent it back to hornsby and told him please please do this and make me a pop-up pop-up in a, in a little different kind of a, a like it. container <laughs> anyhow good luck okay. to you guys keep up your great work both of you thank you steve thank you very much steve take care everybody good night and keep inventing Ending off goodbye